Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of entertainment. You are tuned into the podcast that is breaking down everything that is going on in the world of movies, TV, comics, and more. And we definitely want to keep in contact with you. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on the social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page along with the T Public Store link. A lot of stuff going on there, folks. I'm just saying you want to go check it out. Also, the Patreon link. Shout out to all our amazing patrons doing big things. Got some bonus content on the way before the end of the year. So stay tuned for that. One tier, $2 a month. will get you all that you need for the ODPH. Also, check out the Parley Points block section. You want to talk comic reviews. We've got a lot this week that we'll be talking about a little later in the show. But you can definitely read it and make sure to take that with you when you go to the local comic shops and go get your books for the week. Also, the classified section, which has friends of the show such as 3FN Podcast, and the directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? Uh, 114,000. Sounds about right to me, so I'm not questioning that. For anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media, use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off this edition of the entertainment show, we have to follow up on some late-breaking news from last week's show that Mm -hmm. definitely threw me off guard, threw Pat off guard, and we were waiting to see what was going to be the complete fallout. Now, Pad, what was that news last week? That was Wonder Woman 3 has been canceled. Yes. So the Patty Jenkins, Gail Godot project has been iced by Warner Brothers Discovery and the new incarnation of DC Films with James Gunn and Peter Safran. Mm-hmm. And that completely came out of nowhere. Uh-huh. We hadn't heard anything about it. And it was really surprising of what was going on. And obviously, there was a lot of emotional backlash going on because... Gail Godot's portrayal of Wonder Woman has been highly successful and highly popular. The first movie came out and was a rave success. Yeah. The second one, Wonder Woman 1984, not so much. Yeah. Um, a lot of blame, I guess, you could throw to different factors going on at that time. Sure. Obviously, it was going to streaming and not the movie theaters and such yep. and all that yep. jazz that yep. happened during the you know the high prime time of COVID. Mm-hmm. So that all said, we were waiting to see what the fallout was going to be. We knew that there was a third movie in talks of being made, and it was all signs were pointing to go. And then that news broke last week that Warner Brothers Discovery and the team there had said, no, that project has been no more. And then there was just a whole slew of other ones. There was talks of, or there was rumors that a uh, Batman Beyond film <clears throat> starring Michael, well, starring Michael Keaton in the role of Batman as like the elder statesman Batman that you know from the animated series was, was canned. You know, the Man of Steel 2 might be up in jeopardy. There was just a whole slew of things. And I've got an article here from the Hollywood Reporter that is dated from a week ago now, December 7th. Uh, This is written by Adam B. Very. Uh, The article reads, quote, Could DC be hitting the reboot button? A sequel to 2020's Wonder Woman 1984 from director Patty Jenkins is not moving forward at Warner Brothers as new DC Studios chiefs James Gunn and Peter Safran 
prepared to unveil their strategy next week for the future of DC adaptations to Warner Warner Bros. Discovery CEO David Zlaslav. Only Gunn and Safran know for sure what they'll be saying to Zaslav, but the presentation has the potential to mark a critical infection point, inflection point excuse me, for the company with the very real possibility that the cinematic universe created by filmmaker Zack Snyder would reach a definitive end following the premiere of Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom in December 2023. According to a studio insider, after Jenkins submitted a treatment for the third Wonder Woman, she was informed by studio leadership that it did not mesh with Gunn and Safran's emerging plans for the DC Universe, and the studio would not make the project. Curiously, on Monday, Wonder Woman star Gal Gadot posted to social media that she was, quote, so grateful for the opportunity to play such an incredible, iconic character and that she can't wait to share the, her next chapter with you, close quote, sparking widespread speculation as to what the next chapter would be. A representative for Warner Bros. declined comp to comment and a representative for Jenkins did not respond to a request for comment. Man of Steel star Henry Cavill also recently teased that he was set to reprise his performance as Superman after his brief appearance in the post credit scene of October's Black Adam, opposite Dwayne Johnson. But now both Cavill and Johnson's future with DC is in is an open question, with the Hollywood Reporter story suggesting that the new DC Studios plan could kill any potential Man of Steel sequel, while the prospects of another installment of Black Adam have been harmed by the shaky financial returns at the box office. At the heart of all this, a heart of it all is the deeply fraught history of what fans have dubbed the Snyderverse. The series of DC adaptations that first launched with 2013's Man of Steel and cast Cavill, Godot, Aquaman star Jason Momoa, and the Flash star Ezra Miller as Earth's mightiest heroes. From the start, Snyder's morally gray and visually gritty approach proved divisive with DC fans and general audiences alike. Some loved it, others hated it. <clears throat> But while Snyder effectively exited the DC Universe after 2017's Justice League, only returning for 2021's uh, recut Zack Snyder's Justice League, after a relentless online campaign, most of the actors Snyder cast uh, remained in their own individual franchises. Most of those post-Snyder movies were were major financial successes, but the Snyderverse has also been dogged by scandals. Ray Fisher, who played Cyborg in both Justice League films, parted ways with Warner Brothers in 2021 after waging his own relentless online campaign, alleging misconduct by previous studio leadership. And while The Flash is still scheduled to debut in June, Miller, who apologized in August to to everyone that I have alarmed and upset with my past behavior after weathering a litany of misconduct and abuse allegations, is all but certain to be done with the character. There is still every chance that Cavill, Godot, Momoa, and Johnson could return to the DC fold in one way or another. They're enormously popular with stars of global uh, appeal. Uh, popular stars with global appeal who all seem eager to suit up again. Only Gunn and Safran know for sure, however, whether they'll get the call. Close quote. Well, I think it's kind of very telling of what it is, but I think that we also have to kind of step back as fans and see the big picture here. Yeah. Obviously, whenever there's a change at leadership for a production company, a creative team, whatever the case is, there's always going to be a bit of a shakeup. And I think when it revolves around DC studios, DC films, whatever you want to define it, mm-hmm. the Snyderverse is one of those polarizing subjects Yeah, that you're going to have a reaction one way or another. And I think that Gunn and Safran coming in 
are going to want to wipe the seat the slate clean uh-huh. and start fresh. Well, and especially you think of some of the stories they might want to tell. You're really tying the listen as passionate and as diehard as some of those Snyderverse fans are. Mm-hmm. Depending on some of the stories they might want to do, their hands are tied if they're behooven to keep the mythos and the timeline up with what happened in the Snyderverse movies. Oh, we want to do a Superman movie, but, you know, we can't really reference General Zod because he's dead. Mm. And we like to have him face off, you know, do a true death of Superman story, not tie any other stories into it. But, hey, you know what? He's already killed off Doomsday in, in the movie universe. You know, oh, we want to have Gal Gadot do something with, you know, her her mythical heritage, I guess you could call it. But, sure. oh, hey, you know what? We've already killed Ares, the god of war, the god of war. You know, there's just so much there that, like, they want to tell these stories. They, you know, the thing that worked best with Gunn and the Suicide Squad was WB didn't hamper him and say, you need to get these characters in these specific spots. These ones can live. These ones can die. They just looked at him and went, do whatever you want. Mm. We'll, we'll figure it all out later. We'll work it all out later. No big deal. And look at how great that movie was. Right. Gunn can work magic. We've seen it time and time again. With the, with the Guardians of the Galaxy films, the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special, and, the, and then the Suicide Squad, and even Peacemaker. Mm-hmm. He can work magic when you just let him do what he wants to do, and he can't do that what he does best when you're telling him, oh, hey, you got to keep all this other stuff in line. Well, that's the big question, Mark, that we have now, is for all the projects that we knew about coming. Right. Obviously, we knew there was a Flash movie that's coming that's got a bunch of controversy with it. Yeah. We do know that there's a Matt Reeves Batman franchise that yeah. is in play. Yep. Obviously, and a TV show. And in a play. TV, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts involving yeah. that yeah. vision of Batman. The Gil Godot saga was going on. Yeah. Shazam and what plays out there because Black Adam is tied in with Shazam. A lot of people don't think about and, that, but and it's the, true. And Affleck, too, because that stuff changes on the weekly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then you talk about the Suicide Squad, and I'm glad you brought that up because. That was the test run to see what James Gunn could do in the DC universe. Oh, yeah. That for Warner Brothers trying to figure out what they're going to do, because obviously at the end of the day, I mean, this is just my opinion, but I think a lot of people share this. They look at what Marvel's doing and saying, okay, how can we do this? Right. Because Marvel has set the blueprint for superhero movies. Whether you love them or hate them, they do a shared universe. They're all on the same page now, and they're the machine keeps rolling. Oh, yeah. So that's why we live in a day and age where we have now a Werewolf by Night show, yeah. a She-Hulk show, a Moon Knight show, Hawkeye, and yet they all fit in with movie franchises such as Ant-Man and the Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. because they have one vision going on. They know what they're doing. They're testing the waters, and they're really pushing smaller characters to the forefront. Now, DC has always lived and died by their trilogy characters. Mm-hmm. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. And there's no question they deserve all that praise, too. Yeah. That is the backbone of the DC Universe. Comics, film, TV, you name it, it is. So now what they're trying to do is say, okay, we've already done this this way. Can we try going another direction? Right. And obviously that means taking a look at each product that you have coming out and saying, okay, what's going to work and what's not? And I think Gunn is smart enough to, and Saffron, too, is smart enough to go, okay, we definitely need to make Superman a big focal point. Right. And we're going to re-envision what we've seen now and go in a different direction. Because as great as Man of Steel was as a movie, right? there's a lot of people that hated it. Sure. For one scene in particular. Yeah. And that is the General Zod death. Yeah. Because Superman doesn't kill, even though Snyder's vision was 
he had to to save yeah. the world. And you know, like you said, you can kind of talk phil- philosophical questions with that, if you will, depending right. on your superhero right. fandom. But at the end of the day, it comes down to Gun coming in there and saying, "Okay, you're going to let me run crazy with this universe. Mm-hmm. This is what I have in play for it. This is my vision. This is what I want to make happen." He's trying to test a little bit of seeing, okay, I can definitely do something here, but this universe, I don't know if I want to play with or not just yet. Right. Let me see what else I can bring to the table. And when you can let him do that, and like you touched upon, if he can just have time to build, this will definitely benefit them in the long run. Mm-hmm. We've seen that you can take C-list characters like the Guardians of the Galaxy, and don't anybody try arguing that they were A-list before you got a hold of them. I love the, the comic book series, but I'll be the first one to tell you they weren't A-list. He's now made them into a monster franchise. Oh, yeah. He's taken Peacemaker, who is a throwaway character at DC, and granted, merged him with John Cena. Which helps. Which really helps, and ran with it that now he's one of the more marketable characters that they have coming out. The Suicide Squad, which really did and didn't capture the vibe of the comics, Mm -hmm. but in his vision, it worked and was highly successful. And now we're kind of waiting to see what happens there. He has shown that he can definitely run with these characters. The question now becomes, where else is he going to kind of dabble in and really shift the attention to? Right. Superman, obviously, we know is Wonder Woman will be one, but I'm sure that he wants to get away from anything that relates to the Snyderverse. Yeah, just because inevitably you, you when you bring in the Snyderverse aspect of things, you bring in those fans that were very vocal, you know, to get the release the Snyder cut and all that. But then you also get the folks that are just like hi myself that are just so fucking tired of it. Yeah. I, listen, I love Man of Steel. Man of Steel might be one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Superman movies of all time. Mm-hmm. It, it's in the top three you know easily sure you know but for honestly if i do a rewatch i'm stopping after man of steel you know just because listen i i understand the batman versus superman ultimate cut extended cut whatever is better than the theatrical but whatever you know and and justice league i want absolutely fucking nothing to do with just because i i still have half a dozen to a dozen hashtags on mute on twitter (laughs) because y'all are a bunch of annoying motherfuckers I, I, and I, don't get me wrong, I like the standalone <laughs> movies. I like Aquaman's good, Wonder Woman's good, Shazam is great, but they don't tie into the mythos at large. So it's like, okay, you can just watch them and, and be done. You don't really need anything after that. You know, so I can understand him wanting to do something with these characters, but, you know, you when you put, bring in the potential of tying it into the Snyderverse, you bring in those fans that are like, well, you got to behold it to Zack Snyder's vision. And and let's face it, unless Zack Snyder is directing it, nothing is going to be good enough for those, exactly. for those folks. And then you have the other folks, like myself, who are just so fucking tired of it and don't want to deal with it anymore that they're going to probably see and see, oh, it's tied in with the Snyderverse? Yeah, I'm out. I was trying to avoid saying Snyderverse because I know your reaction to it. And you know what? Your reaction is what a lot of fans have with that universe. And I know some people that really are diehards for the Snyderverse. And li- and I will always say, as long as you're not being toxic, be yeah. a fan and appreciate your fandoms. But just in this scenario, James Gunn is dismantling the Snyderverse, and he's creating something new. How fitting it is DC Comics, because how many times have they reset their timeline? God, more about a dozen? Yeah, at least... And now we're resetting the film timeline. Allegedly, they're going to do about four more times before the end of the show. 
Well, it definitely could happen because the one thing that we don't know is what is the ultimate playbook here? Mm-hmm. What is the ultimate vision James Gunn has? Well, and even James Gunn has said, listen, you know, not everyone's going to be happy uh, because reading from another article on Variety.com, uh, this one dated December 8th, uh, the article reads, quote, filmmaker James Gunn has made his first lengthy public statement about the future of DC Studios after he and producer Peter Safran took the reins of the Warner Brothers Discovery Division in October. Quote, Peter and I chose to helm DC Studios knowing we were coming into a fractious environment, both in the stories being told and in the audience itself, and there would be an unavoidable transitional period as we moved into telling a cohesive story across film, TV, animation, and gaming. Gunn tweeted Thursday. Uh tweeted Thursday, uh, but in the end, the drawbacks of that transitional period were dwarfed by the creative possibilities and the opportunity to build upon what has uh, what has worked in D.C. so far and to rectify what has not, close quote. Uh, Gunn's decision to speak out was cat- catalyzed by a lengthy story posted Wednesday by The Hollywood Reporter, which broke the news that a sequel to 2020's Wonder Woman 1984 was not moving forward at Warner Brothers. Uh, and then it goes on to say, uh, Variety confirmed that aspect of the report, but sources cautioned that several other assertions within it, that potential sequels to Man of Steel with Henry Cavill and Black Adam with Dwayne Johnson were likely also dead, and that Jason Momoa might transition from playing Aquaman to the DC anti-hero Lobo were far more speculative. On Thursday, Gunn said of the Hollywood Reporter report that, quote, some of it's true, some of it is half true, some of it is not true, and some of it we haven't decided yet whether it's true or not, close quote. Well, I think it's very telling, and I think the one thing that we have to applaud James Gunn about, he's been very transparent about... Very vocal. Very vocal about what's going on. Some, like there was some person who tweeted out this just in, James Gunn doesn't like Henry Cavill. Mm-hmm. To which somebody replied to that original tweet and said, at, hey, at James Gunn, care to comment on this? And James Gunn replied, yeah, not true. Yeah, and there's also been the report came out uh, allegedly that James Gunn and Peter Saffron were looking at in, involving Robert Pattinson's Batman universe into the DC mainstream, you know, mm-hmm. the, the widescreen, and which James Gunn has said this is completely untrue. He put he put that tweet out not too long ago, actually. Yeah, this is a situation that he's not getting enough time to really get his ball the ball rolling, so to speak. Right, that everybody is so at a fever pitch about what's going on because he's making moves. And some people are just very upset about it because it is a st- it's a change in stat quo. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it from the broad perspective, he's got a lot of cleaning up to do. No, well, he does. And, uh, yeah, he does. And that's one area that we need to remember as fans. He's going to come in. He's going to try implementing th- things, much like how Kevin Feige has done with Marvel. Right. That not everything is going to be your favorite book and or character. And he's going to definitely try reinventing a lot that we've Mm -hmm. seen before because Mm -hmm. the question becomes where are we going from here and that's something that we just don't know but he's at least willing to take a shot with lesser known characters try running with them the one idea that came that's been starting to pick up some steam and obviously jason momoa has been talking about it too is he is a huge lobo fan apparently he owns every issue ever yeah allegedly and and allegedly and i say allegedly because we haven't seen it Oh, I know. I'm, I don't. I don't doubt he owns a lot of Lobo, but whether he owns every issue, I don't know. I'm not arguing with him about that. So you know, he, he could kick my ass. So yeah, I'm not arguing either. But if he, but I believe he is a fan, and I think that he's also looking at it, saying, "Okay, we now have a new head of creative here. We're going to go in different directions. 
have I told everything I want to do with Aquaman because it's so tied in with the Snyderverse and that's that universe is going away. I mean, that's the major point of this whole argument mm-hmm. that we have. This is the end of the Snyderverse. Love it or hate it, it's gone. So now we have the Gunverse, if you will. I guess, yeah. Until we've come up with a cooler name. Yeah. And now we're just waiting to see where the fallout's going to be. Now, does it mean that Henry Cavill's not coming back? No. Maybe, maybe not. You know, to the we haven't heard anything other than what was in the article from last week that Gunn and Safran were scheduled to meet with David Zaslav this week. We haven't heard anything about that meeting, so it might have happened. It might not have happened yet. Mm-hmm. You know, but the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery doesn't even know what they want to do yet. So why the fuck are we going to know? Exactly. And us as fans need to just fall back a little bit and let it all play out. The only things that we know for certain is the Wonder Woman project is gone Mm -hmm. as its current form. Mm -hmm. We know that the rumored Michael Keaton Batman film, which is heavily rumored to be Batman Beyond, Mm -hmm. is not going to happen in its current incarnation. Right. We do know The Flash is still coming out, love it or hate it. But it's probably going to be done after that, But it's, I think we all would have figured. Yeah, it's going to be one and done. Like We are not banking on seeing Ezra Miller back as Barry Allen anytime soon. And then you think about Aquaman 2 has been done. Yep. You know, obviously has a very huge budget, so that is going to come out. Oh, yeah. And then I think that that is going to be the fond farewell to the Snyderverse as we know it. We still have a Shazam movie that's coming out next year. Mm-hmm. That is going to have some ties into what is going to be the new DCU. But I even think that that's going to go through a transition at some point. Maybe. And then we just had Black Adam come out, which is loosely connected to the Snyderverse. Yeah. That future is really up in the air. I mean, about its only connections, and I feel like I can say this at this point, it's it's out on digital, and it'll be out on uh, HBO Max here within the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. The only connections to the Snyderverse are Amanda Waller and, and then Henry Cavill. Yeah. Past that, there really isn't much else. No, there isn't. And then wherever they decide to go with his character after this mm-hmm. is anybody's guess. Because there is an argument if Black Adam made money at the box office or not. I know Dwayne Johnson tweeted out that it did. That he, according to his tweet, he put out December 7th. I'm showing it to Pad right now. Waiting to, waiting to quote, waiting to confirm with financiers before I share this excellent Black Adam news. Our film will profit somewhere between... $52 million and $72 million. Fact. It's almost five, $400 million worldwide. We're building our new franchise step-by-step for the DC future, end quote. So we don't know what's going to happen there, but I imagine that Warner Brothers wants Dwayne Johnson to be a big part of this, and I think that he's going to be working with James Gunn too. Maybe not in so much of a, of a big public spotlight, but I think that mm-hmm. Gunn knows you have the number one action superstar wanting to work in your universe. Mm-hmm. Where can you utilize him? And you're going to run with there. And then you take a look at some of the other projects that have been rumored to come around, too. There's been talk about a Deathstroke project. There's been yeah. talk about a new Terry McGinnis project. Christ, the Deathstroke project been talked about for six years at this point. Right. I mean, these are all rumors we've heard, but you have to look at it and say, okay, James Gunn is probably going to lean and going into a different direction. Like, we're not going to see everything be centered so much around the Trinity, but he's going to bring in a lot of people that are going to be... A fresh, a breath of fresh air, so to speak, mm-hmm. with the fandom that has been tired of seeing the same old stuff. I mean, because let's face it, as big as you know, Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor are for the Marvel movies, they aren't the focal point for every single movie. Exactly, Marvel movie that comes out. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't try to shoehorn, you know, one of them into the the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie just because. Hey, we need we need we need them in there. They're, they're it's the big three. You know, they're the they're the bankroll for us. Yeah. 
So now we kind of sit back and wait to see how this all plays out. And I think that we have seen some moves, and I think the general reaction is anxiousness. I don't think it's positive or negative. It's a mix. I just think it's. I just think it's. It's anxious that people are just. People want to know. People are hate. Don't people? Let's face it. People don't like waiting. It's. It's a culture that you want to know and you want to know now. Mm-hmm. You know you can't stand waiting, but unfortunately that's part of it because, like we said, the CEO as as of this recording. You know, because Lord knows our history, this could change by the time I go to publish this damn thing. Oh, yeah. The the, the report will come out the, about the meeting. But as of this recording, you know, the CEO, nothing has come out about their meeting with the CEO. So why the fuck would they tell us, the public, before the guy who has the ultimate say of yes or no finds out? Exactly. And that's what we as fans need to just be patient about. James Gunn is going to do a lot of house cleaning. He's testing out a lot of things amongst the fandoms. I know he's been trying to get the temp in the room, so to speak, from the internet community about what Mm -hmm. characters they want to see, and I think that we might see some of them. I don't think we're going to see everybody because you can't please everybody. No. But I think what he's going to do, and I think he just needs enough time to do it, he's going to clean up a lot of the areas that fans that have been tuned out by the Snyderverse are going to want to come back and see. Right. Whether it's... A Teen Titans project. That'd, whether, be, that'd be good. Yeah, whether it's a Batman Beyond project in some oh, fashion. Please. Which I think you're going to please. see. Please. I've heard Terry McGinnis's name been th- has been thrown around, rumored. I just want to stress rumored. I just have, hi, Warner Brothers Discovery, if anyone's listening, I just have one request. If you do a Batman Beyond movie, can you get Will Friedle in there in a cameo appearance in some way? Because Will Friedle is as much Terry McGinnis as anything else. Hmm. I could definitely see that, and there are people allegedly that do listen from Warner Brothers here. Hi, take some notes. We we do appreciate the. I'm just saying you want to do. I'm just saying you want to do a fun fan service moment, much like uh, Nolan North appearing in the Uncharted movie. Mm-hmm. Like ultimately for the story meant nothing, but for fans it was just this, oh hey there's the guy who's been voicing the character for the entire run of the series. Yeah, just to have Will Friedle, who if, in case you don't know he was uh, on Boy he was uh, Eric on Boy Meets World. Mm-hmm. He was also the voice of Terry McGinnis in Batman Beyond. Yeah. Just have him in a cameo. Uh, I'm sure they're going to work something out. And I know our fine friends over at Warner Brothers who, like I said, allegedly do hear us. So we just say, you know, we have those ideas. And, you know, if you take the notes for them, we we always appreciate it because we're we're fans too. We just want to see the best characters come to screen. We want to see those stories get told. And we want to be fans. And we really want to say it's not about Marvel versus DC. It never has been. It's about telling the the best stories you can with the characters you're given. And DC has a great lineup of characters. Yeah, they do. I mean, me personally, I want to see a Nightwing movie that'd in be, the worst way possible. That'd be really good. Yeah. But I don't know if that's on the playlist. I've heard rumors, maybe, maybe not. But we have to kind of wait and see what goes on from there. But it's going to be kind of really telling to see how this all plays out in the next couple of months. But I know for right now, as we kind of wrap up this segment, James Gunn has been on, I want to say, the offensive a little bit. And, yeah. And been more forthcoming with a lot of information that he doesn't have to be. Well, because I think ultimately, when you just look at how the two companies themselves have been run for the last 10, 15, 20 years, whatever, whatever it ends up being, mm-hmm. Marvel has been very forthcoming with. And, and it's not exactly they're giving us full-blown plot details and story details but every year at comic-con or some other convention we're getting a timeline of hey here's what's coming and now now these days it's oh hey here's the movies and on the bottom of the timeline here's the tv shows we got coming Mm -hmm. 
DC would tease something and hint at something, but you'd have to watch it about eight, nine times to pick up on it. And then, oh, maybe they're going to do something. And then ultimately wait for the studio head's decision of whether they're going to go through it or not and then find out in the press. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of been behind closed doors. So I think that's why Gunn's trying to win back you know, some of the fans who might be burned by that a little bit, like, well, we don't know what the fuck DC's going to do. He's like, well, listen, you're going to find out, and I'm going to be a little more forthcoming about it. Yeah, and I do applaud him for that. He doesn't have to, but I really think that he's so passionate about this, he wants to get the fans back, and that's great. And I'm actually excited for what they're going to do. I don't need to know everything right away. I just need to know there's a plan in place, and James Gunn has said that. Some of the moves I'm not going to like, but then again, there's some moves at Marvel that I don't like either. And I still go and watch, and I still support. Because you know what? I'm a fan at the end of the day. And that's all we need to be. And now we just got to sit back and wait to see how this all unfolds. I'm excited for the future of WB and and DC, more so than I thought I was going to be. And obviously, that was a lot of shock value that he decided to cancel the project. But it's not to say the character is gone or we're not going to see Gal Gadot back as Wonder Woman. It just might be in a different interpretation. It might just be in a situation where the story was not something that he liked. And Peter Safran liked, but it's not to say that they can't get a better story than what they had and one that they think is going to fit more so into their vision. I mean, I'm just going on fan speculation here, but I have full trust that they're going to turn the ship around. They're going to get us excited about movies again for the DC characters, and it's going to be a win-win because at the end of the day, it's for the fans. And if we don't like it, we're not going to show up and see them. And that's the biggest telling point that they'll be able to understand but we have to give James Gunn and company time to do it in. Final thoughts, Pat? Uh, no, super excited to see what, the, you know, because listen, ultimately at the end of the day, I trust James Gunn. You know, I look at the track record of what he's done. I know he can do great things with some of this stuff. Listen, I want to know as much as the next person. Is is Henry Cavill coming back or is he going to go back to The Witcher now? You know, we don't know. We're going to find out. You know, but we, listen, you just got to, you know, to, to quote Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X. Well said, Pad. That being said, we turn it over to you, the OD Page Society. What is your thoughts about the James Gunn moves that you've seen right now? Are you excited about them? Are you very negative about them? And where do you think the future of DC Films is heading right now? He's made some drastic moves in a lot of people's eyes. Some have been very, very shocking. Mm-hmm. Some have not been so much. But at the end of the day, are you the fan ready for a change at DC and where do you see this studio going in the future now just after a couple short days of him really making some noise so hit us up on the hashtag hashtag odphpod let us know we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back you ever wondered what comics Mark from Vale Mai is into? What Zach from Left Behind's favorite MCU movies are? Well, Metalcore Nerds is the show for you. My name is Sean Mott, and here at Metalcore Nerds, we cover the latest things in pop culture, whether it be Star Wars, Marvel, DC, AEW, and everything else in between. You can listen to the show every Monday on Adobe Howl at 7 p.m. Eastern, or find it anywhere you find podcasts after it debuts on the radio station. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we have to break down a trailer that dropped that we have had circled on our calendars. We're very excited to hear about this movie and whatever is going to be coming out involving it because its first part absolutely blew us away. Oh, yeah. More so than I thought it was going to because anytime you say Marvel and animation, it's not held in the same regard as DC animation. It's hit or miss. It's very hit or miss, and it's not not to say it's bad, but... 
DC has always set this very high standard mm-hmm. of their animated films. So mm-hmm. when Marvel does, sometimes they really hit and sometimes they don't. But this film in 2018 really hit the mark and set everybody ablaze. Well, and, and refresh my memory, wasn't this the one that the one year we went to New York Comic Con, yep. they showed like the first half yeah. of the movie? And we were we didn't go to it because... They, they were showing it up at Madison Square Garden. We had something else going on at that time. Yeah, so we had we, another press obligation. We had another press obligation. So we go, hey, but then we were in line waiting to get into said obligation. And there was some stuff on Twitter about, oh, hey, they just showed the first half of the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse film. And we went, yikes, is that a good move? That that seems a little like, oh, hey, you're not really sold on the movie. You're really trying to sell people on it. Boy, do we eat our, our words. Yes, we did. And we have publicly admitted that many times that... We made a huge mistake not going to this panel at New York Comic Con because when we heard this movie came out and the fan reaction, and this is why I always say, go to a con, go to a panel, and just be a fan. Because if you really want to find out about what something is really about, you'll get that honest fan reaction when the fans come out. And this movie definitely had fans buzzing that year at New York. And that was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. So this is the animated film, and definitely it was having Miles Morales, Gwen Stacy as Ghost Spider, Peter Parker, who was a little aged, and something was going Peter on. Peter B. Parker. Yes, Peter B. Parker. I have to remember, it's officially B. Parker. Mm-hmm. And you saw the story of how they were taking on the Kingpin and Dr. Octopus, and there's a lot of moving yeah. parts going on with that. Yeah. Shameik Moore was voicing Miles Morales. Haley Steinfeld voiced Ghost Spider, and Jake Johnson did Spider-Man. Film was a massive success. And obviously was garnering a sequel to come out. Right. We've heard about the sequel. We've heard a little teaser trailers here and there. But this is the one that really caught our attention that just dropped. And we have a lot to break down for its sequel entitled Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Now, if you're new to the ODPH, first and foremost, thank you for checking us out. We do appreciate it. Drop us a five-star review when you're done listening to the show. We like to give a spoiler-free statement before we get into any kind of deep dives. So if you haven't seen the trailer yet, you don't want anything ruined, we give you enough time to tune out, watch it, and jump back in. Otherwise, stay through the countdown, and then you can join in the conversation and definitely have a deeper appreciation for what's going on here. Also, in the show notes, if you don't want to listen to this, there will be a timestamp of when you can jump to uh, to skip this timestamp. Don't worry. I specifically put it at a time where we are done talking about anything, and there's no possibility that you're going to get spoiled. Yeah, Pad goes the extra mile for it, so you definitely want to hit him up on Twitter, at Meslin, and say thank you. So that being said, though, Pad, what is your spoiler-free statement about Across the Spider-Verse? The trailer's good, but honestly, I was expecting a little bit more. You know, I felt like there could have been, because without going into spoilers, there's not a whole lot divulged about the movie. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of uh, plot detail-free. And while I wasn't expecting a full-blown plot description, I was expecting maybe a little something-something, a little tease about because we did get a trailer a year ago that was like a first look, quote-unquote. So this is, I guess, a teaser trailer. It's the second trailer. I was expecting maybe a little bit of the hint as to what's going on in in what this story, but we really don't get that. Otherwise, the trailer was great. Trailer was very solid, a bit confusing. Yeah. There's a lot. I, I know I throw this statement around a lot if you listen to the ODPH, but I think this is probably the prime definition of moving parts. Yes. Going on in this trailer. Yes. There's a lot in the midway point that you are pausing and rewinding to check out to see if you miss something. But they don't reveal a lot about what is going on. You have a rough idea about the plot, but 
it's more or less to get you hyped up for the film, and they did a stellar job of that. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see this in the movie theaters when it comes out, so I'm definitely excited about it. So it did its job, albeit, though, a bit confusing and yeah. really unsure of where we're eventually going, but I'm all in for it just as a fan. Yeah. That said, three, two, one. It's spoiler time, Pat. Talk to me. Like I said, the trailer was good. You know, it got me excited to see the movie, which at the end of the day is what you want a trailer to do. But I, it left me wanting more. And maybe that's not a bad thing. But honestly, I was kind of expecting more from this trailer just because it's so anticipated. It's so hyped up. You know, you almost don't need a trailer for it. You can, all, you can honestly just drop it, mm-hmm. you know, the week of and go, hey, surprise. You know, here it is. And people would still turn out in droves to see the damn thing. You know, but just in terms of, you know, like even a teaser trailer, I like I said, I don't want a full blown plot description and explanation of what's going on, but just give me a little tease. Let me figure out what, give me a little hint as to what's going on with this and and what's going to be happening, you know, so I can go, okay, that's, uh, that sounds interesting, you know, or whatever else. And I didn't really get that, you know, And, and that's kind of my one drawback. With the trailer, because, yeah, I agree with you. There's a lot going on, but I and, and I think that was done deliberately so. Mm-hmm. And that was just kind of because there's been a lot of rumors and there's been a lot of reports and such about what the film's going to be about and what it's going to entail and who's going to be in it and this and that. I think this was just kind of to what our appetites is like, hey, here's kind of some of the crazy shit you're going to see in this movie. And we realize you're not going to be paying attention to any of the plot points. We're going to leave that out. Yeah, this was perfect for fan service. Uh, other than that. You really don't have any idea what's going on here. Other than you know that Miles Morales is fully ascended in his role as Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. That now he's really had that whole year one experience almost behind him, I want to say, just yeah. because of how he's reacting. Because as the trailer opens up, he's standing out watching the view of New York City, mm-hmm. and he catches his mom creeping up behind him, uh, voiced by Luna Lauren Velas. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of having this really cool interaction going on. And she's just being very over-concerned about him. And just, he's like, I can hear you coming from behind. You know, why don't you talk to me? And she's just very, obviously, worried for her child now that he's a superhero and fully blown with that. Right. And and he's kind of standing underneath this water tower on top of the building he's living in or whatever. And and he, he seems depressed. He seems bummed. Like, something's not going the way he would like it to. Things are not exactly going to plan. He's, he's doing the old twiddle the thumbs thing, you know, and his mom trying to kind of, and, and no pun intended here, trying to break the ice, you mm-hmm. know, and try to just talk to him. She goes, I hope I didn't ice your game, man. Yeah. So it's just, it's a fun scene going on as we yeah. see. And then they do go to a quick flashback to the 2018 film and we get the cameo of the late Stan Lee. Yeah. And this still hits me every single time. It's it's almost kind of like these flashbacks. It's kind of like a like a when you watch a new season on Netflix where they give you the little summary of what happened the season before. It's almost what this feels like. Yeah, it definitely is. But it's just when Peter, or I'm sorry, Miles gets the uh, Peter Parker suit. Yeah, and you know, just that moment, almost like the passing of the torch, so to speak. So it's a great scene that goes on, and then you still have the in the backdrop. Rio talking to Miles mm-hmm. and just having that mother son conversation as it as it's going forward. And you're right, it is a flashback sequence. Yeah, of, you know, like a montage to the 2018's yeah. film, which I have no problem seeing because no. for a lot of people, we live in such a quick digital age. Yeah, it's here today, gone today. Right. So we do need these refreshers because I know online some people were complaining about it. I'm like, honestly, unless you're a very diehard fan of this film, you're going to forget parts. Oh yeah. So these are never meant in a bad sense. But as we progress, he's Miles, or Miles is trying on the suit in the bathroom. You see him swinging around New York, 
And he has a quick shot that he's on the bus with Gwen Stacy and Peter B. Parker. Mm-hmm. So obviously the team is kind of coming back together. And you see Miles is staring at the Spider-Man case of the suit. And like it's just like iconic moments that you see. And, yeah. and this is just where Miles' mom is just saying, you know, you got to really make sure that this is where you belong. And, you know, if you want to feel like you belong. Mm-hmm. You're not an outsider. And then you see the iconic skyfall from the building, the free fall. Yeah. You've seen this shot everywhere. It's oh, one yeah. of the best stills of all of the Into the Spider-Verse movie. Don't know who came up with the idea for it, but hey, kudos to you. It's brilliant. Just that point in the movie, like that is just, you know when you see that scene, it switches up a gear. Mm-hmm. It picks you up as a fan and takes you somewhere. Uh, and to anyone who's currently playing Spider-Man Miles Morales on PC, because it just the PlayStation game just got released on PC, mm-hmm. uh, friendly tip, you can recreate that shot in New York if you're creative. Ooh. Just saying, there is a photo mode. You can invert the camera uh, 180 degrees, so upside down. You can recreate that photo. Just saying. That's very, very cool. And then we go back to seeing Miles swinging around New York. He's stopping a car from flying into the side of a building. You see him having a heart-to-heart with Peter at one point. He's swinging by somebody that was robbed on the street. You do see the first appearance of Miles' dad, Jefferson Davis, who's voiced by Brian Tyree Henry, mm-hmm. and you know reenacting you know how their bond is. And obviously, his dad is always trying to say, "Miles, you know, say I love you, say I love you." Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's always that cool moment too. Like I say, I love the dynamic that they have with Miles yeah. and his parents on this. Yeah. So as you see, it's just more of Miles' mom talking in the background, and then you get to the final shot. Of the first movie, really, where yeah. Gwen Stacy reappears and is saying, hey, you, you want to come with me? We're going on an adventure? Yep. And as you see him leave his bedroom, he goes flying through this timeline portal. He's in a brand new suit, mm-hmm. much like you see in the comics. So I, yeah. mean, I, I want to I say like a really brand new suit. But then this is where things get interesting. This yeah. is at the 134 mark? Uh, 124. 124. He now appears in this station hub Mm -hmm. and this is kind of where all the spider verses coincide Mm -hmm. so this is where things get very very tricky can almost call it grand central station you can and i know that there's a version of this in the comics i don't think it's that version sure so i don't want to say it is but i know that some people can argue about it because there has been many storylines where the spider verses all come together Mm -hmm. you know so this isn't anything really retelling, but for a pop culture audience, this is going to be slightly confusing. So I want to stress this. But in this scene, you kind of see a camera shot pulling away, and Gwen and, and Miles are staring, and you're seeing all these multitudes of spider characters walking across various platforms. Mm-hmm. And some of them, we, we couldn't figure out all of them. Oh, yeah. But some of them we do recognize... And mm-hmm. that is, they have the Scarlet Spider cane suit. Mm-hmm. So we assume that that one is in there. The video game suit from Insomniac from yep. the first Spider-Man uh, video game. Yep. I saw Mayday Parker from MC2, the comics. Mm-hmm. I know that there was a werewolf Spider-Man that has been connected to the Marvel Zombies yep. comic universe. The black and yellow armor suit, which is just recently mm-hmm. introduced in the comics. Yeah. There was a Spider-Cop yep. that was in there. You did see uh, the incarnations of Mary Jane and Mayday Parker uh, from the Renew Your Vows series. Oh, yeah. It's an Inspired Gun. Um, you did see the Fortnite version, the Spider-Man Unlimited from the uh, the cartoon. 
the armored one, which I remember from Web of Spider-Man 100, I want to say. Okay. It's been a while. It's that silver one that goes oh, on there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I know when I saw it, I was kind of freaking out about it because I'm like, they are deep diving into some costumes here. There's also multiple spider characters mm-hmm. that have suits that are very familiar to Gwen Stacy's, Peter Parker's, and even Miles, too. But the colors are different, so I'm not sure what they're supposed to represent, so I don't want to speculate and say, like, oh, yeah, it's this person, because it might not be. Mm -hmm. We did see that there's a manga Spider-Man that's in there. And, Pad, what run is he doing? Uh, He's doing the Naruto run or the the Shinobi run that you see in the Naruto show. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, I know. The minute you saw that, I'm like, oh, he's going to be marking out about that. And so we are seeing a lot of spider characters in there. I know that there was one in there. I was like, why? <laughs> and that is the baghead Spider-Man one yep. where he wears the paper bag over his head. It ties back to the Fantastic Four. Yep. I call it the baghead. I know that there is a proper term for it. I think it was like the I – I can't even remember because I, I just block it out. I can't stand that character. I'm with Ron from 3FN. I know they were talking about this as well. Not my favorite incarnation of Spider-Man. Right. I, it's like it's fun nostalgia. Sure. But it's not like anything that was really rememberable. It's like right. it's a throwaway skin on a video game. Like that's the easiest way to describe it. Pretty However, much. though, I did catch the Future Foundation Spider-Man suit. Mm-hmm. I am banking that I saw that there, along with the six-arm Spider-Man that you see yep. from when he was trying to get rid of his powers and grew four other arms. So that said, you see all these through this move or through this trailer. They will stand out. They're fun Easter eggs. Yeah. Now, how much they play into the movie is a different story. We'll see. I, yeah, I was going to say, I definitely will. I know that, obviously, if you see Ben Riley in there, <laughs> it could be messy. And I, For you. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I, I'm already guaranteeing this. I didn't see it in the trailer. The Spider-Man hoodie, uh, Ben Riley oh, yeah. is going to be there. The original Spider-Man yeah. where he just cut off the sleeves to his hoodie and yeah. had the red jumpsuit. I guarantee you we're seeing him in there. Oh, you're going to throw something. Uh, I'm gonna, no, I'm just going to kind of just like roll my eyes because I, I, I'm preparing for it because the minute I saw the bag head, I'm like, they're going to go everywhere. Mm-hmm. We're going to have literally every single Spider-Man that they can think of come into play here. Right. Like, I'm not doubting Spider-Ham comes back. Obviously, we'll see some of the, the classics show up, too. But I'm, I'm minute I saw that, I'm like, yeah. oh, they're going to go reaching. Like, we're going to yeah. see some real absurd ones here, too. Yeah, yeah, probably. Because if you haven't taken that deep dive <laughs> into the comics, there's a lot of really weird Spider-Man mm-hmm. versions. Yeah. To say the least. I believe the Captain Universe one was there, too. So, like, you're going to kind of just really dance around the good, bad, and the, huh, of the Spider-Verse. And I'm here for it, though, because I understand why. So when I see Ben Riley, I'm not going to get super mad. I'll probably be clenching my fist and, like, you know, squeezing it and just going, you know, mm-hmm. growling a little bit. But I'm fully prepared for this. But going back to the trailer, I digress. There's a lot to break down there, and you do see that Peter Par- Peter B. Parker has reappeared. Yep, and he's wearing a bathrobe and what looks like a baby holder. Yeah, like well, a like a, a harness. I mean. Yeah, yeah, like you see the parents wear when they're out and about with their toddler or baby. Yes, so we're assuming that he might be uh, introducing a very young Mayday Parker mm-hmm. into the film. We do see what I'm guarantee you is going to be an iconic shot coming from this movie of Miles and Gwen sitting upside down. Yep. And just kind of seeing the skyline of New York City. So I imagine that's going to play out in some kind of major factor. Factor here that they're going to show that. So probably. All right. Then we go to the next scene. 
and we do see the first shot of Issa Rae's Spider Woman. Mm-hmm. So this is a version of Je- uh, Jessica Drew. Yeah. And we see her come riding in on a motorcycle. She's wearing the classic Jessica Drew costume of the red and yellow. Yeah. And she's running literally over a version of the vulture. Looks like a Sandman version, too, because, like, there's no color to it. It's all sort of, like, brown. Yes. You know, there's no gray. There's no green. There's no whatever. It's just all brown, like this sandy brown. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, that's one thing that you're seeing in the scene, too, and in this movie completely. You're going to see a lot of variants of characters you already know. Right. The Jessica Drew that we're seeing on screen is a variant of the one that we know from the 616 universe. The same thing with the Vulture. Mm-hmm. So we don't know exactly. It's supposed to be an amalgam of Sandman and Vulture. He does look very, very odd, though. Yeah, he does. Like More like a Raptor from G.I. Joe. Oh, okay. That's the way I took it. And then we do see that there is a familiar face that a lot of Spider-Man fans know. Mm-hmm. And that is who, Pad? Spider-Man 2099. Yes, Miguel O'Hara, who is voiced by Oscar Isaac. So we are going to see him, and he is being portrayed as the big protagonist here. Mm-hmm. So this is definitely going to play into a factor. He's the only one we haven't seen a variant of yet. Dude is broad-shouldered as fuck. Well, that's also how they also played into the uh, Kingpin. Okay. You know, the animation animation style, they kind of made some characters. And I don't know if this is supposed to be meant as a ploy for the villains of the show or the movie, rather. Right. They're supposed to be larger than life. Well, this isn't even just larger than life. This, like, Spider-Man 2099 is fucking jacked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Like, this man don't quit any workout day. Well, I think that's something they do with the villains of the films. Like, we saw this with Kingpin. Right. The animation was way over the top. That was one of the things I hated about the first movie is it was so over the top Mm -hmm. that I was like, okay, if you're really trying to establish him as a quote-unquote threat, it's not coming across that way. It's just looking like this is not matching up. With the Spider-Man 2099, maybe that's something they're doing with the villains to really establish that they're like a true threat. Maybe. But as we know with Miguel O'Hara, he's not really like that in the comics. So to see what he's being forced to do here, or being Mm -hmm. more, you know, his causes of action, is still very interesting to see. Mm -hmm. So... We'll have to wait and see how it plays out, but obviously that's a big deal. And then we get a shot of our trio of heroes standing in the center. What looks like a grid is forming for the multiverse. Well, it's not a grid. It's a spider web, if you will. Yes, well played. So we are seeing how everything's all connected, much like everything in Marvel. And then there's a quick shot of Miles with his mom talking as well, and she's saying, you know, just you make sure you promise me that you know somebody will look out. And, you know, keep driving that point home. Like, make sure that you have somebody looking out for you, mm-hmm. and then you'll still always be, you know, who you're supposed to be. You mm-hmm. know, take care of that little boy as as it gets uttered over and over there. Yeah. And then you do see that all the spider characters are attacking Miles and Gwen, mm-hmm. and we don't exactly know why. We just see that Miles is running for his life or swinging for his life, and everybody is coming after him. You're seeing more Spider Men that we've already mentioned coming after him. Yep. And nobody knows why. And then you see Gwen is saying we're supposed to be the good guys. And Miguel O'Hara says we are. And then slams Miles Morales into the bridge. And that's how the trailer ends. Mm -hmm. So a lot going on here. Yeah. You know, but I will say I liked what I saw as far as fan service goes. Issa Rae as Jessica Drew I thought looked really good, especially the different version of her that we know from the comics. I thought that the Easter eggs they put in for the most part are very interesting. I don't know how many are going to be exactly throwaway. 
I don't care about Baghead Spider-Man, though. Oh, stop lying. No, I'm definitely out on that one. But, you know, it's just it ties into the history of the characters. Mm -hmm. Like I say, you see a lot of different versions of this to really connect the point that the, there is a Spider-Verse. Yeah. As much as we hate talking about the multiverse, there's a Spider-Verse, and it definitely stands out for that. Pad, your thoughts? No, the trailer looked really good. I'm excited to see it. Just wish I could have found out a little bit more about the trailer, uh, or the trailer, about the plot. That's my only drawback. Yeah, I agree with you, too, because we didn't see the spot who has been announced as the villain right. uh, for the this movie, and I believe this the sequel coming after this as well. So no Jason Schwartzman-voiced spot. Right. Which... I am very curious to see how they pull this off. But then again, anything that they have done in this universe has been very, very interesting to see how this shapes up. That this franchise has definitely stepped into the right direction. They've really elevated the status of Marvel animation. And this film is one to keep an eye on for for 2023. I know we're going to be there first night watching this. And we definitely have a lot to discuss about it in the meantime. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the trailer... The real trailer, I should say, for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Did you love it? Did you hate it? And why? Let's talk. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Ooh, I've been dying to try this place. Oh my god, me too. I've heard such good things about it. Welcome to the Crime Diner. I'm Cindy. I'll be cooking for you this evening. Here are your menus. Ooh, what are you thinking about getting? I don't know, murder with a side of cannibalism? What about you? Ooh, that sounds good. I'm torn between historical mayhem and the social injustice, maybe? Oh. I just want to let you know that each episode comes with dinner, dessert, and a specialty drink chosen by yours truly. Wine Dinah Storytime has had a makeover, and we invite you to slide into the booth with us at the Crime Diner, where each week we will discuss a crime over dinner, drinks, and dessert. See you there! Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, Pad. What you got? Got a few things to talk about. Uh, the first of which was announced today. Uh, there are some new additions to the National Film Registry. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, in case you don't know what this is, I'm going to read a little blurb from an article on NPR.com, uh, which reads, quote, Every year, 25 movies are added to the National Film Registry to be preserved for posterity by the Library of Congress. Intended to reflect the depth and breadth of American filmmaking, the selections always feature blockbuster titles intended to generate attention. The biggest one this year is Iron Man. Really? That launched Marvel Studios as an inescapable force in American pop culture in 2008. Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige said in a statement, quote, Iron Man was the very first Marvel Studios independent film Marvel Studios independently produced. It was the first film that we had all of the creative control and oversight on and was really make or break for the studio. All of our favorite movies are the ones that we watch over and over again and that we grow up with. The notion that here we are almost 15 years after the release of Iron Man and to have it join the film registry tells us it has stood the test of time and that it is still meaningful to audiences around the world, close quote. So some of the other films, no, uh, I'm going to go through the other list of films uh, that are added to the film registry this year. This is in chronological order. Uh, you have Mardi Gras Carnival from 1898. Yes, there were films from back then. Mm -hmm. uh, Cab Calloway Home Movies from 1948 through 1951. Serrano de uh, Bur 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 uh from 1950. 
Charade from 1963, Scorpio Rising from 1963, Behind Every Good Man from 1967, Titicut Follies from 1967, Mingus from 1968, Manzanar from 1971, Betty Tells Her Story from 1972, Superfly from 1972, Attica from 1974, the cult classic horror film Carrie from 1976, Union Mates from 1976, Word Is Out, Story of Our Stories of Our Lives from 1977, Bush Mama from 1979, The Ballad of Gregorio Cortez from 1982, Itam Hakim Hoppet from 1984, Hairspray, uh, the musical for, uh, film from 1988, uh, The Little Mermaid from 1989, the movie that really kickstarted Disney's uh, animation re- animation renaissance. Yep. Tongues Unite Untied, excuse me, from 1989. When Harry Met Sally, also from 1989. House Party from 1990. Uh, the aforementioned Iron Man from 2008. And then also Pariah from 2011. Very solid class. Yeah. Uh, switching over to some other stuff and some streaming news. It was announced by the folks over at Amazon Studios that a vi- um, television adaptation of the video game franchise God of War has been ordered from the folks over at Amazon. Oh, shit. <laughs> Reading from an article on thehollywoodreporter.com, quote, Amazon's Prime Video is getting into the video game adaptation business. The streamer has greenlit a series based on the award-winning PlayStation game God of War. The Wheel of Time's Rafe Judkins will serve as showrunner on the adaptation. And Oscar nominees Mark Fergus and Hawk Otsby from Children of Men, Iron Man, and The Expanse are writing and executive producing with Judkins. Sony Pictures Television and Amazon Studios are producing God of War in association with PlayStation Productions. Quote, God of War is a compelling character-driven franchise that we believe will captivate our global customers as much as as much with its expansive and immersive worlds uh, as its rich storytelling. Uh, Vernon Sanders, head of global television at Amazon Studios, said in a statement. We are honored to share in the adventure of exploring the God of War mythology in such a momentous way with Sony Pictures Television, PlayStation Productions, and game developer Sony Santa Monica Studio. Close quote. Uh, The series in development since March will follow Kratos, the god of war, who exiles himself from his blood-soaked past in in ancient Greece and hangs up his weapons forever in the Norse realm of Midgard. Quote, we love him when his beloved wife dies, the show's description read. Kratos sets off on a dangerous journey with his estranged son to spread her ashes from the highest peaks. His wife's final wish, uh, Kratos soon realizes the journey is an epic quest in disguise, one which will test the bonds between father and son and force Kratos to battle new gods and monsters for the fate of the world, close quote. God of War is one of my favorite video game franchises of all time. And I'm just going to say this. If they're basing it off of the quote-unquote reboot, whatever you want to call it, the one that came out a couple years ago, mm-hmm. not Ragnarok. Ragnarok's the new one, but the one that came out, uh, the last one that came out. Y'all thought the boys was violent? Yeah. Motherfucker, you're not ready for this. I am scared to see what kind of levels oh, they're going to go to for the violence. Oh, my God. The violence is going to get turned to, like, 11, and it's going to be glorious. It's going to be out of control, but obviously, I mean, we've talked about this many times in the past, too, with video games coming to the small screen or big screen, there is a little bit of challenge to really capture the essence. Mm-hmm. With Amazon bankrolling it, that's a big deal. Yeah. That's going to have a lot of oh, faith yeah. behind it, and I think they understand what they got on their hands, too. Cause All I'm saying, get Christopher Judge, who voices him in the video game franchise, to play the character. He's got the size. What about Triple H? I mean, that would work, too. Yeah. That would work, too. Just saying. 
Also, avoid spoilers because there's a hell of a plot twist in that story and that you don't want to see it before the show comes out. Facts. All I'm going to say. Facts. Uh, and then switching over to the Game Awards, going to read through some of the winners because I did watch the Game Awards and it was a lot of fun. And boy, were there some moments in this video. The, yeah. The Game Awards. Kudos to Pad for the live tweets, too. Goddamn. Uh, so for best adaptation, the winner went to Arcane League of Legends uh, from the folks over at Netflix. That I've heard nothing but raves about. That was a stacked category because going up against it was Cyberpunk Edge Runners, which I've heard good things about. Uh, the Cuphead show, which I've also heard good things about. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 mm-hmm. and Uncharted. Honestly, out of the bunch of them, Uncharted might have been the weakest one. And, and that's not necessarily saying it's a bad... That's not bad, but... It's not a bad film. Yeah. I, I love the film. But just the other ones are so great. Uh, for most anticipated game, uh, the winner went to The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, which, no surprise to anybody. Uh, for best esports team, it went to the, uh, the team Loud, which plays Valorant. Uh, best esports game went to Valorant as well. Uh, best esports event went to the 2022 League of Legends World Championships. Best esports coach was uh, Matthias uh, Teruski, who coaches in Loud, coaches Loud and Valorant. Uh, the best esports athlete was Jacob Ye Whitaker, uh, who plays uh, Valorant. Why not Valorant here? Mm-hmm. Uh, for content creator of the year, that went to Ludwig. Uh, best multiplayer game, surprise again, stack division here. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. The, the re-release. Okay. Uh, Multiverses. Overwatch 2. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Shredder's Revenge. Didn't realize that was a multiplayer game, but hey. And then Splatoon 3. Splatoon 3 was the winner in that one, but stacked category there. Uh, for best sim slash strategy game, it went to Mario Rabbids Spark of Hope. Okay. Best sports racing game went to Gran Turismo 7, beating out the likes of F- uh, F1 22, FIFA 23, NBA 2K 23. Wow. Yeah. That's saying something. Another stacked category was the best family game. Uh, you had Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, Mario Rabbids Spark of Hope, Nintendo Switch Sports, Splatoon 3. All of those, not the winner. Kirby and the Forgotten Land was the winner. Really? Yeah, it was a huge surprise on that part. Really? Yeah. Uh, best fighting game went to Multiverses. So Makes sh- sense. That's shout fun. Shout out to those guys. That's fun. Best RPG went to Elden Ring, which surprised the goddamn no one. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, going to say, I wasn't even paying attention to that category. That was a no-brainer. Best action-adventure game went to God of War Ragnarok. Uh, best action game went to Bayonetta 3. Uh, innovation in accessibility went to God of War Ragnarok. So basically, this was recognizing software and or hardware that is pushing the medium forward by adding features, technology, and content to help games be played and enjoyed by an even wider audience. Uh, God of War had something like 100-plus accessibility features Hmm. for it, which makes all the sense why they won the game. Uh, Best VR slash AR game went to Moss Book 2. Best community support went to, again, uh, the second year running, Final Fantasy XIV Online. Best mobile game uh, went to Marvel Snap. Which I know that's got a huge following. I would. I'm not doubting that one bit. That game is addicting as all blazes. Uh-huh. I have not played it yet because with my schedule, I will never stop, and I'm going to be so far behind on stuff. It's not even going to be funny. Uh, for best debut indie game, that went to Stray. Of course, the game where you play a cat. So no surprise oh, okay. there. Okay. Uh, best indie game also Stray, uh, and then for best ongoing game again, second year running, it went to Final Fantasy 14 Online. Uh, for games for impact, this is uh, for a thought provoking game with a pro social meaning or or message. Went to Ask Dusk Falls. Uh, for best performance, uh, this went to Christopher Judge for God of War Ragnarok. This man won this award and then gave like a 10 minute speech. Really? He won the award and he and, and it was even punctuated by it the award was was handed out by Al Pacino. Which why Al Wait, why? wait, Al Pacino? Like the Al yeah. Pacino? 
Yeah, Al Pacino was there. So uh, why Al Pacino was there handing out a video game, even he didn't know. He said his grandkids play, play video games. He really doesn't dwell, uh, delve into him all that much. Uh, so everyone was trying to figure out why he was there. But, hey, he was there. But, yeah, Christopher Judge won and then proceeded to give, like, a 9 or 10-minute speech, which then the host, Jeff Keeley then poked fun at him for the rest of the night, talking about how long they were running. Uh, for best audio design, uh, this went to God of War Ragnarok. Best score slash music went to Bear McCreary uh, for his work on God of War Ragnarok. No brainer there. Nope. Best art direction went to Elden Ring. Uh, best narrative went to God of War Ragnarok. You noticing a theme here? Yeah. Best game direction went to Elden Ring. Uh, game of, And then come to Game of the Year went to Elden Ring. And this is where the fun begins. Uh, because the creators and whatnot behind Elden Ring <clears throat> come up on stage. And then there's a gentleman on stage that doesn't quite seem to fit in with the crowd. And and then they say their whole speech, and then he gets up there and says some rather bizarre and outlandish things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> mentioning Bill Clinton at one point. So if you're wondering why Bill Clinton was trending on Friday morning, this is why. Mentions Bill Clinton, and everyone goes, what the fuck is happening? Come to find out he shouldn't have been there. He got arrested. Why he was there, I have no goddamn idea. But it, it was a notable end to the Video Game Awards, which were a hell of a lot of fun. Gotta say, it was an improvement over last year, because last year there were so many goddamn ads. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking, like, advertisements for games coming out. No, it was just like, hey, here's a Google ad. Hey, here's an Amazon ad. Hey, here's a, you know, DoorDash ad. No, not, not so many ads, so it was a lot better. Did have a few game trailers announced. Uh, some of the ones that jumped out to me, uh, we had the announcement of a trailer that uh, for the, an upcoming Hellboy game called Hellboy Web of Weird, uh, W-Y-R-D. Looks exactly like the animation style from the comic and, mm-hmm. and some of the other stuff, so super excited to see this. It this, looks awesome. This looks dope as all hell. It looks like straight out of the comics. I am here for this one. Uh-huh. Uh, I had a trailer for a new game mode, which is out now for the Among Us game, which is Hide and Seek. Basically, there is a uh, one killer going around trying to kill everyone. They have limited vision. Uh, all of the cr- other crewmates have to complete their tasks, but they also have limited vision, uh, and so it, it's a very quick thing. You can't stop to vote somebody out or anything like like no it's just pretty much once you start you cannot finish until either this this uh, hiders win or the seeker does looks like like crazy fun i know it's a mod that got added and it's a mod they added into the game proper so looks super interesting if you're into that uh in a announcement that nobody saw coming uh was the announcement of hades 2 uh obviously hades 1 super popular game i have not played it yet it's on my list of games to play uh but coming from the studio that typically doesn't do sequels but hey they're doing a sequel so i know folks are excited for that uh we got an announcement for an upcoming vr game called ghostbusters rise of the ghost lord this looks bananas Uh uh-huh so this is taking place in san francisco Uh, it's coming in 2023 to the ps vr 2 and meta quest 2 uh, looks, it's, it's Ghostbusters VR. I mean, how can you go wrong? Oh, somebody's going to get hurt walking around their house. Probably. Like, it's going to happen. Probably. Without, like, this game looked great. Don't get me wrong. But I'm watching this going like, oh, if we ever bought this and did like a 607 podcast night, like, it just got out of control. Probably. Uh, we got a new trailer for Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Yes. Which, this, got to admit, this trailer started, oh. thought they were announcing another Batman game. Yeah. Because of the way the trailer started. Had the vibe. I had the vibe of a Batman game. Nope. But it is announcing that, of course, duh, Batman's going to be in the game. And the late, great Kevin Conroy got to voice the character one last time. Yeah. And it is for this game. Yeah, this hit all in the feels, too, man. Yeah, it did. This was perfect trailer. Super excited about this game yeah. and, and just... You know, knowing this is Kevin Conroy's last voice as performance as Batman, like mm-hmm. just all the 
like just all the emotion just kind of poured in there. Yep. Uh, and then uh, coming out some point soon, it's just, uh, you know, there's no release date for it, is a game called Wishlist, uh, which is coming from, uh, it's developed by Ghost Story Games. It's a studio led by Ken Levine. Uh, he was the creative director of System Shock 2, Bioshock, and Bioshock Infinite. This game looks like a Bioshock game. Uh, super weird. Straight up, it looked like Bioshock. It's got that same art animation style. It's going to be coming out on PlayStation 5 at some point. The trailer looked good, though. I mean, if you're a fan of Bioshock games, I think you'll be a fan of this one, but definitely get the trailer a look. Uh, and then you had my most anticipated trailer of the night because they were hyping it up. You have the trailer and uh, gameplay trailer. It was all in the same trailer for Star Wars Jedi Survivor coming out in March. Holy shit, this game looks amazing. Yeah, like very dope. Oh, my God. I was excited about it. It looks like they took the kind of like fight mechanics and the fight engine from the first one and then just built upon it. It looks super fun. Uh, not sure what's going to go on with the story. I know there's an individual at the trailer who gets taken out of a back to tank of some sort. A lot of speculation who that is. I don't know who he is. Got a hunch. Don't want to say it yet in case I'm right. Uh, hint, 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 hint. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it could be a clone. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Super excited to play this game. Like I said, if you haven't played the first one, highly recommend it because it is one of the best Star Wars single player stories they have done in years. And it's a lot of fun. No, it looked amazing. Like, I was definitely excited about it. There's one scene in there where the Jedi picks up the yeah. Stormtrooper, uses a shield, and then cuts him right in half. Yeah. That looked amazing. Yeah. Like, I sat there, I was like, okay, this looks dope. Yeah, it does. This looks all freaking fantastic. And then in the trailer announcement, nobody saw it coming. Coming from Hideo Kojima, Death Stranding 2. Okay, so that was a real thing we watched. Yeah, it was. Okay, because I know, like, I'm sitting there watching and think I was tripping out on something because I'm just like, what the hell is going on? He said during the Game Awards that, like, he wrote the the story for Death Stranding 1, which was, like, kind of like plague, you know, post-apocalyptic based, and then 2020, because it came out before 2020, mm-hmm. and then 2020 happened. He's like, yeah, I went and rewrote Death Stranding 2 so I wouldn't predict the future again. Oh jeez! So he so he rewrote the story for Dust because he wrote the story for Dust Training One and then 2020 happened eerily similar between the two, and he's like, yeah, I didn't want to predict the future again, so I rewrote Dust Training Two. Uh, Norman Reedus again in this game. Uh, this game does have a rather uh, stacked lineup when it comes to folks in this because Norman Reedus is returning. Leah Sadu is in this. Uh, you might know her from the most two recent uh, James Bond films. Mm-hmm. Uh, also Ellie Fanning uh, in the. Uh, game as well and then also well-known voice actor even if you don't know the name look up his imdb credits the dude has been is one of the most preeminent voice actors in gaming uh troy baker oh okay troy baker very well yeah yeah yeah. even if you don't know the name look up some of the credits you'll know some of his work you'll know his voice yep trust me you'll know yeah you will so those were the things announced the the game awards it was a lot of fun uh next year they're going to be doing at the los angeles coliseum outdoors so that'll be that'll be interesting to see how they pull that off. We're going out there. Uh, we might. We'll see. All right. I've got to wait and see about that. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Got to wait and see how that plays out. All right. So for my one shots, I will give the spoiler free review of the first two episodes of Doom Patrol okay. on HBO Max because I am going to put this up for our patrons. I said I was going to talk Star Girl. I still will talk Star Girl unless they want to hear me talk some Doom Patrol. So I'm going to put that in there. So if you want more information about Doom Patrol. One tier, $2 a month, and definitely we'll get into that. But spoiler-free-wise, 
They came back very strong. I like the direction they're going with. Obviously, there's been a little shift in the leadership role as Rita Farr, a.k.a. Last Woman, played by April Balby, is now taking the leadership role of the team, and we're seeing a very unique dynamic play out between Michelle Gomez, who's now joined the team as Madame Rouge, and seeing how she plays off everybody else. Matt Bomer replies his role as Larry Trainer, a.k.a. Negative Man. You obviously know Diane Guerrero, who I don't know how she has not won an Emmy yet, is blowing my mind, is back as Crazy Jane. And, of course, Brendan Fraser is reprised the role of Clint, of Cliff Steele, a.k.a. Robot Man. Uh, obviously, they have their first adventure. And Jovian Wade, who is playing uh, Cyborg Victor Stone okay. as well, too. Uh, they're back on their first mission, so to speak, and it kicks off in the only way the Doom Patrol can. It is fantastic. It is amazing. And just I'm telling you right now, I did this in the spoiler-free review for the season. I really mean this. The dynamic between Bulby and uh, Michelle Gomez is amazing. And just their back and forth is something to definitely watch. And as the team is now coming together as that superhero team, well, obviously not everything goes as well as planned because mm. as an unprecedented uh, trip to go see Cliff's grandson in Florida, uh, in the machine that they travel in, it is a time machine, they wind up actually shooting to the future. Hey. And they get to around the year 2042, and the world has been decimated mm-hmm. uh, by a unique creature that can easily just be described as werebutts. Okay. Let's, it's, it's Doom Patrol. Let's get weird. We need to okay. remember this. Hmm. So if you see these characters, yes. Uh, there is a picture up we have of some of the promotional art this season. It, it does explain a lot. But apparently they have now run rapid over the world, and somehow the Doom Patrol is responsible for this. Oh, of course. Yes, so we do see the future version of Cyborg start warning everybody else about what's going on. He obviously meets up with the current version who has been de-robotized, if I can say that. Mm. Uh, there's been a reason going on for Season 3 that why he doesn't have his powers. So you're, you are seeing that kind of play back and forth a little bit. And what they're trying to do is now race against time to figure out what happened, what went wrong, and stop it. And it's been a fun interaction with, obviously, all the drama that goes on with each individual character. And I stress, the writing on the show is so on point, Pat. Mm-hmm. It's not for everybody, though. And I know right. I, I want to just stress this because if you're going into this thing, it's going to be like a Marvel show and everything's very cut and dry. No, like this is multi-layered, multi-layered, multi-layered. Mm-hmm. But each actor really brings out the most of their characters. And like I can't stress enough, Diane Guerrero should have got a, an Emmy and then some by now. She has been absolutely crushing in this role since day one. How she bounces around all the multiple personalities and really making them her own has been just amazing. And then even Brendan Fraser coming into his own with uh, the new set quote that he has being Robot Man has been a, a great thing to watch too. And Matt Bomer obviously has got a lot going on being Negative Man. And just how they all mix together has been great. But I think this is the season that we're going to see a real breakout for Jovian Wade. And I'm super excited for that. Because I think he does a great job as Cyborg. I love his interpretation. The only thing I have to say negative, if I have to say anything negative, is we don't have this in the comics as much uh, right now. But they are coming with a new brand new Doom Patrol in March. Okay. So I'd love to see them add Cyborg to the team. I don't think it's going to happen. But obviously things are picking up at a fast pace. You're seeing a little more dynamics about what causes the impending Doom and how Mortis is coming. Is it Kang? Mm. No, but it's a, <laughs> but just to stress, they have their own problems coming, and they're going to have to deal with them, and it's just been such a fun ride for two episodes in now. Obviously, episode three is coming out this week, so can't talk about it on here, 
But let me just say this. If you're not watching Doom Patrol on HBO Max, you need to start. It has been nothing short of lights out. And I will just start doing a little deeper dive on a, on the uh, Patreon if that's what they want or if they want me to talk Stargirl this week. That's going to be this month. That's going to be the question I'm going to post as soon as we get done recording. Now, we have to swing by the comic shop. Pad. Yeah. This is a freaking insane week. Okay. I think we set the record for reviews for ODPH podcast. We're doing them. Okay. So... Kicking off the lineup, Comixology Originals definitely had a stacked lineup. Census number four, Mark Bernadin, Adam Freeman, Sebastian Perez continue on the story of everybody's favorite lovable loser working for the Census Bureau investigating the paranormal and okay. the supernatural. Fantastic issue. They really are hitting their stride. I, I believe next issue is the last one. Oh. It is a limited series, but I would not mind seeing this come back if there's some way. They do a phenomenal job with this book. I love it. It's just a great balance of humor and heart. And I think that this issue is a great read. And then where they're going for the finale, man, is anybody's guess. I cannot wait to see it. And I would honestly say this. I would not doubt this actually gets picked up for a TV show. Maybe. There's a, like with how they've done each book, and each book is a solo series, but it contexts with a thread, like with a villain. Yeah. Or I shouldn't say villain, but an antagonist. It really plays into each other. And it really is, okay. you can see the growth in the characters. And it's just been fun. Like that's the easiest way to describe it. Also out on Comixology, a name you have heard quite often on the Parlay Points blog section. Cullen Bunn is back with John Biven, and they have a book out called Retroverse. So Bivens and Bunn have got this very unique story about a college student, a 19-year-old student who passes out and wakes up, and the world has changed around her, and she doesn't know what happened. She's trying to put the pieces back together. And there's a lot of supernatural things going on, a little sci-fi vibe, a little horror vibe going on. So time has passed. Nobody remembers who she is, and she is trying to piece back together what happened after that fateful night. So issue one came out. Definitely thought it was a solid read. I'm interested to see where the story is going. Obviously, like I said, if you read uh, Parlay Points, you know I'm a big fan of Cullen Bunn. I think he does some great work. Now, the book that I think is going to have the most people talking this week, it's called A Vicious Circle. It's out by Boom Studios, Matson Tomlin, and Lee Birhamo. This book is absolutely brilliant, insane, over-the-top, intense. There is just so much going on, and it's basically the battle of two characters that have this whole standing till the end of time, that they're each fighting for their own separate causes mm-hmm. and trying to one's trying to stop the future. The other one is trying to make something happen that will make a better future. And they're going like back and forth about this. And you're just seeing them go all through the timelines. I'm showing pad some of the artwork here. Ooh, nice. How crazy is this? A little the, different. The detail is very different. And like I say, they are going in a lot of different yeah. places, a lot of different timelines. They do, a, like I say, a great deal of jumping around. So you might need to read it just like, Take your time and really soak it in. But the artwork by Baremo is amazing. And I was absolutely blown away by this book. There is just so much going on. And we've just scratched the surface of this. And I'm going to say, like, this this pair is almost like the fight forever that we talk about with wrestling. But they're going to be going in some different directions. And, right. And I tell you what, this was a, this was a fantastic book to pick up. Visually intense. Storyline was amazing, too. Like I say, you're, you really think you know what's going on, and then they throw some curveballs at you. And you're obviously siding with the, the main protagonist, and that is Sean Thacker, and just what he's doing and what he's willing to do to prevent the future. And just they have the whole hashtags going, too, which I thought Boom is doing a great job with the social media promotion for it. Right. Because there's a hashtag, you stole my future, and hashtag, 
we're the only cure. Ooh. Like, they, they're really playing this, you know, I don't want to say spy versus spy because that's not the right terminology, but it's almost like those enemies that fight forever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it plays in that aspect. I thought the book was awesome, though, so I definitely give it a very, very high recommendation. Obviously, if we're talking Boom Studios, I think they've been doing an amazing job talking horror comics. Okay. And there's uh, Specs number two just came out. David Booher and Chris Sheehan have put together this retro vibe horror story of two friends who find magic glasses that you always remember from seeing like the 70s comics. Like you, if you mail in the corner, uh, you get sent one with like five, five pr- proofs of purpose pad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. So they do find these old comics in the 1980s and they, they notice this and they say, oh, like when this be cool to get this, they don't mail anything in whatever. And then next day, the glasses appear at one of the characters' front doors. Mm. So they start doing wishes. And when they have a bully confront them, one of them wishes the bully to go away. Mm. And he does. Mm. But nobody knows what happened to this person. This issue picks up and really is driving up the the emotional drama. Mm-hmm. is building the tension. I thought Poover did just a fantastic job about setting the pace for it. The artwork on this is very throwback, but it's awesome. She and uh, Sheehan does amazing stuff. Yeah. So, like I say, I thought this book is as excellent. No sophomore slump here. They really delivered a great issue. And if you haven't seen the first issue, like seriously, it is worth picking up. Something special is going on with this book, and you definitely don't want to miss it. And my one of my favorite books of 2022 came back in a big way, and that is Grim Number Six. Oh. Stephanie Phillips and Flavino's amazing story is back for part two. The trade paperback is out today as well. So if you're not familiar with this, you need to go get it from top to bottom story, story wise artwork, just how they're present the presentation itself. This book is something special, right? And I fully think everybody needs to go out and go buy this. I know it's been getting a lot of high praise as it should it is a great read. I dig it. And I am super stoked to see what happens with Jessica Harrow and the new stat quo that is established. Because one through five was absolutely crazy, and six looks like it's picking up right where it left off. Introducing some new characters to the mix and kind of seeing where we're going. But I'm definitely all in about this book. I think you should go check it out. From Image Comics, Radiant Black, number 20. Kyle Higgins, Marcelo Costa, and the team have absolutely put together. Pad, I'm just showing you the alternative cover. Oh, that's nice. That's one big giant robot. Yeah. So that's the Bruno Oliveira cover. And, yeah, it's the Radiants are taking on a giant goddamn robot. Let's go. Like, let's go. This Can't is, go wrong with that. No, it's a very solid issue, top to bottom, that you know from the Massiverse family. They're doing big things. And I know if you go over to Image Comics, too, they are definitely featuring in uh, the news articles uh, situation that there was a very cool party for uh, the Radiant Pink release. Mm. And we talked about that last week on Parlay Points. So you definitely go check the imagecomics.com and go check that out. Phenomenal stuff going on there. And Image also had two other books that I didn't get a chance to full, fully do a deep dive on. Hell to Pay number two and Nightclub number one. Definitely hearing a lot of good things about it. I'm checking it out after the show. So definitely have a lot more to say about that on social media over the weekend. And then closing out the picks for this week. Like I said, it was a lot, but there was so much good stuff at the shops. Can't stress enough. From DC and Image. Batman, Spawn. Well, actually, it's from DC, I should say, but okay. uh, but you think it's a crossover event. Obviously, Todd McFarlane, Greg Capullo. What else do I need to say about this book that Not hasn't much. been said? So, obviously, you want to go check that one out. I know, like I said, I can't stress enough. This one has got a ton of hype behind it, so you definitely want to have your radars out for this at the shops. And then, 
from Marvel Comics, Savage Avengers number eight, David Pepos, Carlo Magno, really doing some wild things in 2099. I'm going to say if you want some shocks, you want some surprises, you want some great curveballs, and one really big nostalgia panel, which I saw and I was like, oh, here we go. Savage Avengers by Marvel has got this locked up for you. So you definitely want to check that out. You definitely want to go to your local comic shops. Make sure you go pick up some great books and definitely hit me up on the social medias. Let me know what you're reading too if you haven't already heard those picks come through here because I definitely want to check some more books out as the year is progressing into 2023. And as we stress here at the ODPH, go support your local comic shops wherever you're at and make sure you pay up your pull uh, lists for the holiday season. Don't have any books that are over the holidays. Make sure you're all caught up because it does help out those shops tremendously. That being said, Pat, for anything and everything that is the ODPH Podcast, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's it for this week. So for the one and only Pat O'Wan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Side Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast.